Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sunshine Cinema Show. Please take your seats as the feature presentation is about to begin. Hello there. Feels very strange to be on this side of the desk. My name's Nick, and I'm happy, pleased. <laughs> I didn't sound too pleased when I said that, did I? But I am pleased. I'm overjoyed and downright chuffed to welcome you to the Sunshine Cinema Show. Uh, if this is your first time here, thank you for stopping by. Happy to have you. If you're a long-term listener, you might have seen this episode pop up in your podcast feed. Maybe noticed uh, the shorter running time and thought, what's going on here? Well, uh, due to a, uh, a prior commitment, it's uh, some sort of lawnmower race, I believe. I'm not making it up. Uh, Marcus is unable to, to be here to record a new episode this weekend, so we are uh, postponing the next full episode by one week, uh, meaning that there will be a brand new full-length episode for you all next weekend, uh, which will be the... I don't have the calendar up. Recording this on the 8th, so that'll be on, on the 16th of... Uh, of June, brand new episode for you with um, reviews of Late Night and Green Book, plus the usual news, charts, quiz, and uh, ramshackle banter between Marcus and I. But we didn't want to leave you hanging uh, because it's been two weeks since the the last episode. We wanted to, to put out put something out to you. you wanted to, we wanted to put something out for you to listen to, and it just so happened that I was already prepared with a review of a film on general release. And uh, I wanted to take the opportunity to, to talk about it, because the film in question is Rocket Man, the, the Elson John biopic starring Taron Egerton in cinemas right now. Given that I've stated my dislike for another big musical biopic movie multiple times on the show, we'll get to it, uh, I figured you'd be interested to hear what I have to say about this particular one. Maybe compare and contrast the two, see if this is better. Maybe even even worse, to see how I feel about it. So we'll get to that shortly. Uh, before I do, um, seeing as the uh, intro track is still delightfully coming to an end there, I, I want to take the opportunity to say thank you to everyone that's listened to the show, uh, downloaded it, subscribed to it, given us uh, feedback, shared it with, uh, with the friends and family, whatever, to, I mean, to anyone who's, who's interacted with the show in, in any way. Again, a big thank you to to everyone. I know I know Marcus feels the same way. It, it gives us a lot of joy to know that uh, not only do we enjoy making this show every fortnight, but there are people out there who enjoy listening to it. Um, yeah, that that really means a lot to us, and uh, we hope we can continue to live up to your expectations. You're listening to Nick and Marcus on the Sunshine Cinema Show. Please remember: don't get them wet, keep them out of bright light, and never feed them after midnight. So, uh, let's get to the reason why I'm here manning the desk today. In... <laughs> this sounds really grand. In the history of this show, I've uh, reviewed a lot of films. When it came to Bohemian Rhapsody, the uh, Queen biopic that came out last year, I had several objections to it. <laughs> to the extent that uh, whenever it comes up on the show... Um, which happens fairly frequently because it was in the uh, the box office charts for quite a while, and it's been in the the DVD charts for quite a while. It's still there. I checked today. I'm going to be talking about this one for uh, quite some time yet. Yeah. Um, 
whenever it comes up on a show, or even in in in, in real life conversations, I I struggle to sum up my mostly negative feelings about it. It's been a genuine struggle. Now, for those of you who haven't heard our previous review or would uh, simply like a refresher, uh, please enjoy, especially for this episode, this bow rap recap. I was curious to see how Bohemian Rhapsody would approach the story of, of, of Freddie Mercury and Queen, and I'm very disappointed to say that it does not even try to do anything that we've, we haven't seen before. That's a problem in and of itself. But what really bothers me is that in order to fit the film's narrative into this neat pre-existing box, they have to deviate from the true story. But the changes made here only serve to make the other members of the band, who aren't Freddie Mercury, look better. And, and make no mistake, this is not, despite what the tagline may suggest, this is not a Freddie Mercury film. It's a Queen film. When the film isn't content leaving things out, it has to make things up. I don't understand why the film feels the need to do this. Queen is not, they're not an underdog, not an underappreciated act. They are one of the biggest selling bands of all time, worldwide, and I certainly do not understand why they feel the need to defame Freddie's achievements outside of the band. It's not intentional, just lazy, lazy writing and, and producers and, uh, and an original director who didn't know any better. Rami Malek's performance, in a darn good show. Yeah. See, I, I say good things about that all the time, but that, even that sort of, in my mind, it sort of diminished a little bit because I, I keep picturing the prosthetic teeth he had to wear for it, which were a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> the film has done its job as an advert for that music. As a film, though, just can't recommend it. I just felt that in their attempts to tell the kind of story that has been told dozens of times before, they've missed... I think what made the music of Queen special and what made Freddie Mercury special and, and interesting as, a, uh, as an individual. Um, and I'm going to end this by uh, paraphrasing uh, a quote from one of my favourite movies, Black Dynamite. Freddie Mercury would turn in his grave if he was alive to see this. Wow. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it wasn't pretty. Uh, just, just between you and me, I uh, uh, edited a version of that clip which had the, the, the Game of Thrones theme underneath it, which uh, made made all of my ejections sound a lot more epic than they do uh, using, <laughs> using the music that we have available to us. Anyway, I'm not someone who likes to take myself too seriously, uh, as you can tell. So, one of the things that Beam Here Rhapsody highlighted for me was the, the narrative shortcomings of the entire musical biopic genre. Um, and this is something that was... Uh, as I pointed out in the review, mercilessly parodied in the the wonderful comedy Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, uh, starring John C. Riley, which, again, I uh, aggressively recommend. Really, really good film. Do check that one out. The first trailer for Rocket Man was released around the same time that Bohemian Rhapsody came out in the cinema, and I, I remember seeing it and thinking, this this looks like it might be different. I hope it's different. Is it different? Let's find out as I review... Rocket Man, rated 15, which bears itself as a musical fantasy about the fantastical human story of Elton John's breakthrough years. Feeling empty. I could hear the whole tune in my head. It was all there, I could see all the notes, and I just had to get it out. It's a little bit funny. This feeling inside. What did you say your name was again? My name is... Reggie! Reginald Dwight. Reginald? That's my granddad's name. So how does a fat boy from nowhere get to be a soul man? 
gotta kill the person you were born to be in order to become the person you want to be. I'm thinking of changing my name to Elton. Well, that's my name. Yeah, I know. You can be the best-selling artist in America if you desire. I was trying to do something bold. Why are you still something flashy? Can you even play the piano in those? Let them know who you are. And just don't kill yourself with drugs. Rocket Man was directed by Dexter Fletcher, who previously directed the Proclaimers musical film Sunshine on Leith, and was also brought on board to direct Bohemian Rhapsody after the original director, Brian Singer, was fired midway through shooting. Stars Taron Egerton, Jamie Bell, Richard Madden, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Gemma Jones. And Taron Egerton actually has, a, at this point, a somewhat storied cinematic history of working with Elson John. Not only did they both star in Kingsman, The Golden Circle, directed by Matthew Vaughan, who uh, produced Rocketman. But Taron sang I'm Still Standing in the animated movie Sing, in which he played a gorilla. So, the question on everyone's mind, including mine, as I left the cinema, was I more impressed with this than I was with Bohemian Rhapsody? Uh, Well, they're definitely more similar than I would have liked. But uh, I have to say that there were several moments in Rocketman where I thought... This is how these stories should be told. And every one of those moments occurred during the the wonderful musical sequences that this film has. Um, There is something really quite special about watching a well-executed musical scene in a film. And they are, to my mind, without trying to sound too pretentious, the closest thing you can get to cinematic perfection. When you consider how many factors need to be done well uh, in these uh, these type of scenes, the editing, the camera movement, the people movement, and the choreography and the dancing, the lighting and the colours and, and all sorts. And it, they all need to be done in a way that allows them to support each other as well. And a good musical sequence is one of, the, one of the hardest things a filmmaker can attempt to make. But when they succeed, the results can be absolutely extraordinary and uh, incredibly rewatchable. They'll keep you coming back. One of my favourite movies is Singing in the Rain for, for this very reason. It's flawless in every respect as a piece of entertainment and there were moments in Rocketman where I can see the film reaching up and just just about touching that very very high benchmark that's set up the moments where it allows itself to be a full-on Hollywood musical are some of the most fun I've had in the cinema this year um, it helps as well that we we get into them almost straight out of the gate with a, a short number on the the suburban cul-de-sac <laughs> young Elton lives on set to uh, the bitches back and I remember thinking this is good but I'm, I'm not too familiar with this song so I don't have any kind of emotional connection to it the real test will be when they do an Elton John song I do know and so when the film comes around to adapting Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting into a, a massive pub brawl and then a, a visit to a, a funfair into the, the same kind of glossy high energy dancing i was pretty much sold i thought all right you got me i can relax now i don't need to <laughs> i don't need to think, think too critically about it and obviously the scenes will resonate with you more if you already know the songs but i, I think they work just as well um if, if you don't because the film isn't just playing you these songs uh like in bohemian rhapsody where they, they keep pausing the story to show them recording a song in the in the studio or, or performing live what Rocketman does is that it, it makes the songs part of the story to illustrate what the characters are feeling 
Sometimes it recontextualizes them as well. In, in the case of your song, it reveals itself to be not just a great love song, but uh, a wonderful gift from a talented lyricist to a, an equally talented musician. It's a really, a really heartfelt scene. And in in one particular case, it helps me understand why people love these songs so much. Because I feel like I'm confessing to a bit of a crime here. I've I've never been a fan of Crocodile Rock. I don't think it's a bad song. I, I just don't like the organ song, and uh, I've never been on board with the uh, the, the falsetto chorus, uh, la 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 bit. Um, but you know, I understand that people like it a lot. The performance of Crocodile Rock in Rocket Man basically fixed that for me. When they hit that chorus in the movie, everything pretty much stops. The instrumentation fades away, and all you hear is this angelic choir singing the part uh, a little bit slowly, and we see Elton start to float he's holding on to the onto the piano and then the audience starts to float as well which indicates that they're they're hanging on his every note so what's implied by uh, the, by those shots in the scene is that everyone in the club is taking this massive slow motion leap into a part of the, of the song that they all know is about to play like gangbusters and sound amazing and i watched that scene and i thought I get it now. Th- that is what that song sounds like and feels like to people who love it. And that is exactly what I think these movies should uh, aspire to do. It's not just about, you know, giving people the songs that they already know and love. It's about trying to put across what makes them so important and, and wonderful to those people to people who may not know them or, you know, even <laughs> in some cases may not have, have liked them previously. It also helps that uh, the film has a cast that can all sing and do all sing, the uh, success of the movie, as you might be able to tell from the, the posters and the trailers and the uh, the publicity that, that happened, completely rests upon Taron Egerton's shoulders, and he completely carries it. He's a great screen presence in this, uh, to the extent that I completely forgive him for his uh, terrible performance in Robin Hood. He's, he's wonderful in this. Uh, but the rest of the cast gets time to shine too. Jamie Bell, Richard Madden, Bryce Dallas, they all get the odd verse here and there. Uh, there's a wonderful performance by Stephen Graham as well, uh, although he sadly doesn't get to sing. Simply put, the film is at its best when it creatively sets itself apart from the likes of Bohemian Rhapsody and you know, all the other musical biopics that have come before and you know, content to uh, blend into, into one amorphous uh, blob. Unfortunately... That's only 50% of the running time, because in between the musical sequences, we have a familiar uh, you know, rise slash drugs slash rehab story that we've seen lots of times before, and not just in movies like this. It, it doesn't help that this is coming out in the wake of uh, A Star Is Born last year, which had a similar narrative, but approached it a little bit differently and made it feel a, a little bit fresh, if you ask me. There were a few moments in the final third where I, I kind of wanted the film to wrap things up a little bit. The film uh, opens with Elton going to rehab and uh, he recounts his, his life story in group therapy sessions. That's the sort of the wraparound framing device that the, the film uses. So we, we always know that that's where the film is going to end up. There's just an awful lot of booze and, and drug taking that we have to sit through before we finally get there, which feels a little bit exhausting to watch. And then when the ending does come... It feels a little bit too quick, a little bit too cr- uh, truncated, ironically enough. Uh, the film also isn't above changing elements for the sake of a neater narrative, 
which is um, something I really took Bohemian Rhapsody to task for. Uh, the film suggests that the, the John part of his surname was inspired by John Lennon, when in fact it was uh, likely inspired by the, the uh, blues musician Long John Baldry. That, that was a disappointment for me, uh, because it indicated that the film wouldn't go into into his friendship with Baldry, and therefore wouldn't make room for uh, Someone Saved My Life Tonight, which is my favourite Elton John song. And and it doesn't. And, you know, that was... Personally, that was a disappointment for me, but I, I understand that they had to, yeah, leave things out. But as I, as I, well, as I mentioned, the, they have that rehab framing device, which sort of allows for an unreliable narrator, like he, um, you know, maybe his memory isn't the best. So that's that's easier for me to forgive than it was in Bohemian Rhapsody, which absolutely presented itself as being the uh, completely true story, which a uh, even the, a light bit of research will, will prove that it's not. I'm sorry. I was gonna, I was gonna try to try to hold back on criticizing Bohemian Rhapsody even more than I have been, but uh, apparently I, I can't resist. Uh, so, yeah, for all my enthusiasm regarding the musical scenes, and they are really good. It's a, 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 a little bit of a mixed bag. It's literally a film of two halves, which leads me to give it a Sunshine Cinema Show rating of six out of ten. It's it's not great, but it's a, a big bold step in the right direction for, for musical biopics um, and it's still a lot of fun I took my mum you know what everyone should do the same that should be the tagline Rocket Man take your mum so my, my hope is that uh, people who are making future musical biopics I know there's a lot coming up there's uh, I think movies about Celine Dion and, uh, and Boy George and definitely works there's a David Bowie movie apparently which will focus on his early years and not feature any of his, on any of these of his, of his songs so you wonder what the point of that is hopefully they look at this and go yeah mu- musical sequences that's the way forward I think it's the way forward at least so um, that's going to be it for this miniature exclusive uh, episode for the podcast feed uh, I'd like to say thank you ev- uh, once again to everyone that's listening and has listened and will continue to listen and once again we'll be back next weekend uh, with a new show with reviews of Late Night and Green Book See you then. This is a Sunshine Hospital Radio production. Get well soon.